Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you decided to join us. A little later in the show, we're going to hear about a really fascinating and harrowing effort by a group of staffers at Michigan State University to get 77 people out of Afghanistan recently to escape the Taliban. I'm going to talk with one of the coordinators who was working to get those people out, as well as an MSU staffer who was one of the people stuck in Afghanistan while facing threats to her life. You really are not going to want to miss uh, that conversation. It is a really interesting story, an international story with a very fascinating local wrinkle to it. But first, President Joe Biden is in Michigan today to try to help build support for his bipartisan infrastructure package. That visit happens as efforts to pass that legislation while also making massive investments in climate change mitigation, child care and more have screeched to a pretty sudden halt in Congress. Progressive Democrats are holding firm against more moderate efforts to dramatically scale back the overall cost of the reconciliation bill. They say the $3.5 trillion plan they expected to vote on this month was already a compromise and that much less than that just wouldn't represent a serious effort to combat climate change and make much needed investments in child care, immigration and other areas. That's where we want to begin the conversation today with this stalemate in Congress and uncertainties surrounding really important pieces of the president's agenda as he comes to Michigan today to make the case for those things. Here to talk about what's happening and why he's still a firm no on this bipartisan infrastructure bill without a Senate vote on the Build Back Better package is Michigan Congressman Andy Levin. He's a Democrat from Bloomfield Township, and he represents Michigan's 9th District in Washington. Uh, Congressman, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. It's great to be with you. So let's start with what I just was talking about. You are a no on this infrastructure bill unless there is a vote in the Senate on the reconciliation bill. I feel like sometimes these things are very confusing for normal average Americans who do not serve in Congress to quite understand. So I want to give you a chance to explain the procedural move that you're making and then talk about the the, the substantive context for that, why you're doing what you're doing. Sure. Well, I think in a way the president just ended one chapter and began another when he visited uh, the House Democrats uh, in our caucus on Friday. Um, And so in a way, the fact that many of us, dozens of us progressives said uh, we're not you know, we want to keep our deal that we had, which is tie the two together, the infrastructure bill and, and the bill that does so much for kids and families and workers. Um, the president said, yes, that's what we're going to do. So now it's all about negotiating what the Build Back Better uh, Act includes. We'd like it to include what the president wants, his three and a half trillion dollar package. Some people want it to be, you know, not included uh, all of it. And, you know, the headlines in the New York Times today is that lobbyists are madly trying to undermine the president's agenda by chipping away at things they don't like, like the wealthiest people and big corporations paying for their fair share of it, or people getting dental vision and hearing through Medicare 
and other things that the corporate interests don't want to see there. But we, I, I just want to emphasize, Stephen, from the beginning, the whole progressive caucus to a person has said we are 100 percent for the, the president's bipartisan infrastructure package, and we're all going to vote for it. We just think that we need to make sure that the rest of the president's package, the vast majority of it, is fully realized as well. And so that's what we're and the president basically said, yes, we're going to do it all together. And so now it's about negotiating what gets included in the Build Back Better Act. Mm. There are, as you point out, a significant number of criticisms being leveled against this this legislation. People saying it's too big, that it's trying to do too much. Uh, the Detroit News today had an opinion piece that said it's a big leap into socialism, that word that uh, is used often to trigger kind of reflexive objections to things here in in this country. Uh, talk about why you think a bill that large is appropriate and talk about whether it's trying to do too much, that it that it too fundamentally changes uh, our capitalist system. Well, so the Detroit News and other conservatives called Social Security Socialism when that happened in the New Deal, Medicare, Medicaid, the whole basis of our safety net in our capitalist, very capitalist society they, you know, whenever we try to make the, the safety net secure and especially make it just for people of color and poor people and immigrants and people who have often been excluded, they run to that word. But th- what the president said to us on Friday and what we're all saying is, I don't, forget about a top line, talk about the programs. So child care available to everybody and no family would have to pay more than 7% of their income for child care. Don't we need that to have a well-functioning capitalist society? Do we want women to work too? You know, just from a year ago, August to September, in that height of the pandemic, 865,000 women left the workforce in one month. They didn't become unemployed. They left the workforce altogether because they had to take care of their babies and their kids and their, and their old folks. And so we've got to have child care. What about universal pre-K? Is that socialism? Do we want all of our kids to have a great start, to be able to do well in school? You know, that's often been considered by researchers to be about the best investment you can make in terms of return on the dollar because kids have higher lifelong earnings. That means more tax revenue. That means better workers. They have uh, less trouble with the law. So that's really important. What about free community college? You know, is that socialism? Michigan's already trying to do it. Many uh, European countries do it. How about paid family leave? We're like the only country that doesn't do that, Stephen. All those other capitalist countries do it. So, we, you know, all of this is about making the economy fairer, work better, include everybody. And none of it is about uh, the government taking over the means of production or other things that is what socialism actually means. Mm. That's just a bogeyman. We need to, uh, you know, help uh, everyone have a great chance in our society and not live paycheck to paycheck so much, right? Be able to breathe um, and and get their little piece of the American dream. Mm. So we're really supportive of, of uh, the president's agenda and we're going to do our best to get it passed as fulsomely as possible. So 
talk about the price tag, $3.5 trillion. That's one of the things that I think is getting people's attention and maybe fueling some of the criticism of this legislation. How can we afford that? And, and why does it make sense to spend that much money at a time when – uh, of course, you know uh, the economy is is doing well, but uh, there are lots of concerns about debt out there. Um, well, so you know, first of all, if you pay for something, the price tag in terms of the debt or deficit is zero, and we are ready to pay for every penny of three point five trillion, or you know, it's going to be somewhat less, evidently, you know, whatever that number is. By having the wealthiest individuals, uh, the president has said people making over $400,000 a year pay their share of taxes. We've seen great research that came out not long ago about some of our very, very wealthiest people paying way less in taxes than a secretary or a reporter or an anchor on a radio show <laughs> <laughs> or who are normal people, you know, and corporations paying the big corporations, which often pay zero taxes effectively. Let them pay their fair share. Let's let the, let's strengthen the IRS just to what it used to be so that they can collect the taxes people actually owe. So we're ready to pay uh, for all of it. You know, Stephen, over the history of presidencies uh, going back many decades, the actual fact is that the debt and deficit have decreased in democratic administrations uh, compared to Republican administrations. And the Republicans have done things like the tax giveaway of December 2017 uh, under President Trump. They didn't pay for any of it. And it cost $1.9 trillion over short term in raising our debt. And 83% of the benefits went to the very wealthiest Americans. So we're, we're saying... Let's invest in the working class, in the middle class, in poor people. Um, just look at this one thing we've done, which needs to be extended in the Build Back Better Act, the child tax credit. Evidence is already showing that it really is lifting about half of poor kids out of poverty. Hmm. Who can argue with that? Hmm. Hmm. I'm talking with Congressman Andy Levin. He's a Democrat from Bloomfield Township. He represents Michigan's 9th District in Washington, we're talking about uh, the infrastructure bill, uh, the reconciliation budget bill, and all of these pieces of President Joe Biden's agenda that all of a sudden seem like maybe they're in a bit of doubt. Uh, Biden is here in Michigan today making the case for all of these changes, all of these investments he'd like to make. He's going to howl. Uh, and not coming here to Detroit, which is something I want to talk about in a little bit. But we want to hear from you, the listeners, as well, uh, about what you think. What questions do you have about what's happening in Congress now with both the infrastructure and Build Back Better bills? Do you think progressives should be willing to take a vote on infrastructure without a vote on this bigger reconciliation bill? Or are you glad that progressives are standing pretty firm in order to get as much funding as possible for things like climate change, immigration, uh, and child care? Uh, give us a sense of where you come down on President Joe Biden's agenda so far and this pretty sweeping 
set of uh, bills that he would like to enact that would really change some uh, some of the uh, social fabric of uh, our country. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Andy, I do want to talk about uh, where the president is going. I think it's really interesting that he's going to Howell when he uh, when he comes today. Uh, talk about why that's a place that he feels like this is the case that needs to be made. When you say Howell, you don't really think about Democratic voters in this state. Uh, you think about a pretty conservative part of Michigan. So why go there? Well, the truth is, Stephen, that where he's really going is an amazing uh, uh, facility, the operating engine, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 324 Training Center. Right. And it is, I don't know if you've ever been there, <laughs> it's a very large piece of property where people literally like drive bulldozers around and learn how to master those. They you work, you know, operate cranes and try to drop, you know, big heavy uh, balls of of concrete into like little cylinders <laughs> to become <laughs> the kind of best trained, uh, you know, operating engineers in the world that we, you know, we train here in the United States. They're union members, and so Joe Biden is a champion of the working class. Is going to a place where people learn to do these great jobs, get these great jobs, really make good wages and benefits. And I think what's brilliant about it is, you know, that people have made this artificial distinction between the so-called infrastructure bill and the, the Build Back Better Act. But actually, the Build Back Better Act includes a lot of very hard infrastructure, like in the House version that we passed through the Education Labor Committee, $80 billion dollars for school construction, that's good union jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we have money for apprenticeships, and all the job training money in these two bills combined is in the Build Back Better Act, so that we can train a lot more people in the way they train them there at the you know the operating engineers facility to be ready to do all these jobs. As you know, employers are having a hard time finding trained people for the work they need to do. So I think it's a really smart choice of a place, as you say, you know, in the middle of the state where, you know, people haven't, you know, maybe always uh, voted for him in, in large numbers to go emphasize that he's really about raising the standard of living for, for America's workers, good jobs, well-paying jobs, uh, and, uh, you know, t- making sure everybody can have that kind of opportunity. Uh, again, 313 577 1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Bradley in Livonia. Bradley, yes. welcome to the conversation. Yes. Hey. Hello? You there, Bradley? Go ahead. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I was just uh, curious as to how this uh, $3.5 trillion will uh, increase the national debt to, I believe, over $125 trillion. Is. Uh, Bradley, I uh, appreciate the call and the question. We were talking earlier about that price tag, uh, but but Andy, uh, give a give another explanation here of that price tag and and its relationship to to debt. 
Well, you know, Stephen, one of the things that I think uh, my side of the political aisle isn't always the best at is uh, the messaging. <laughs> and so actually this three and a half trillion dollars is over 10 years. So it's really, you know, $350 billion a year. Um, and we are willing to pay for it. And we want, I, I, I'm not just willing to, I want to as a matter of principle. So uh, we are ready to, and this is what a lot of this lobbying is happening, that the, uh, the, the wealthy interests and the corporate interests are trying to um, get more conservative Democrats to, to thank them for opposing uh, some of the mechanisms that we use to pay for uh, the Build Back Better Act. Mm. The Senate and the House have slightly different proposals about what's the pay-fors, you know, but in any event, we are intent on uh, paying for it or as much of it as we can. And then there's a second really important point here, Stephen. You know, the, the whole debate about supply-side economics that happened since the Reagan years, where people said, hey, Give the wealthiest people money, give them tax breaks, cut their taxes massively, and they then that will cause growth. And we know that didn't happen. But if you actually fix our infrastructure and make us more globally competitive, if you actually raise the education level of workers in American society, if you actually uh, lead to kids being healthier, uh, have less poverty, you, it, it, it really does improve the balance sheet of the government because we need less uh, assistance to people over time uh, and our economy is more productive. It raises more revenue for us. So I think both we're willing to pay for it in the short term and it will redound to our benefit and improve our balance sheet in the long term. Yeah, Bradley, I hope that's uh, a sufficient uh, answer to your question. Uh, it, it, this comes up over and over again. And there's always this argument about whether uh, spending is investment or or debt. Uh, it, it is always uh, worth asking the question, how will we pay for the things that we want to do? Uh, let's quickly go to Amy in Pontiac. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. My question is directly to Representative Levin. Does he realize how tired Democrats are right now and how disappointed we are and seeing this infighting over reconciliation. I just really want him to answer me. We went through four years of Trump. I've been a Democratic volunteer since the late 80s, and I'm beat. And I don't want to walk to another protest. I want something to get done. Please answer that question. Do you realize how tired we are? Mm. And how me, 55-year-old woman in Pontiac that pays her taxes, and volunteers every two years how tired I am and how disappointed I am in what's happening. I had to Google, and I'm on the Brookings Institution website reading what reconciliation means right now, and I have two college degrees. Mm, wow. Uh, Amy, uh, I really appreciate you, call, you calling and expressing your frustration. I think a lot of people feel that way, and uh, it's, it's good to, to hear you intone those thoughts. Uh, Andy Levin, answer, answer her frustrations. Yes, I hear you, Amy, and I agree with you. I mean, there's a couple points about this. Number one, the only reason we have to use reconciliation is that we will not get one Republican vote for these 
badly needed programs to lift up the working people, the things you've been fighting for all these years. So you're going to go, you're going to need to keep going out there and marching. And, um, but the, in terms of what we're trying to do, know that 95% of Democrats in the Senate and probably 90% in the House support the president's $3.5 trillion program, and they're the things you believe in. The problem is our margins in the House and the Senate are so tiny. A three-vote margin in the House and basically a half vote, or 51 to 50 in the Senate, means that every single Democrat has to vote for it. So what I can assure you is those of us who are really uh, progressives who are fighting to get as much of the president's agenda done as we can are going to try to raise this lowest common denominator that we have to deal with of having so such a slim margin and we need every vote. And But we are going to pass the infrastructure program and we're going to pass the president's uh, you know, a build back better budget as in the best possible way. Uh, so, you know, we're doing it. And, you know, I have to give the president credit here and the Congress for that matter. I mean, the $1.9 trillion, um, you know, American rescue plan that we passed was had the most funding for public schools ever passed at one time. Mm-hmm. It's what raised the child, transformed the child tax credit. And we've cut poverty in half. So, and there's a you know long list of things. So, Just Stephen, I'm sure you saw this. Based on how we've measured poverty since 1967, poverty a couple months ago was the lowest it's been since that time ever measured, and that's right. completely because of what Democrats so, have passed. So we're going to have to break soon, but but I do want to get you to to drill down just a little on what I'm hearing from Amy. I think which is frustration that I, I think she's anticipating the Democrats going to fold here and not get the things that they promised as a way of compromising to get the bill passed and that uh, people like Amy will feel unsatisfied. I've only got about a minute left, but I, but I want you to address that specific point. Uh, it's so frustrating, Amy, to deal with the very small number of – they're not moderates. They're very conservative Democrats – who are saying, even though they voted to pass the $3.5 trillion budget resolution, then when we get down to writing the legislation, they're like, oh, well, I don't want this, or I don't want that, or it needs to be smaller. So the president said to us, let's talk about the specific programs. And that's what I'm about. Let's, let's work on getting community college for people on lowering people's costs by reducing the cost of prescription drugs, you know, on getting people childcare and pre-K, all these great things. Um, Amy, we're going we're gonna to fight as hard as we can to get a really robust package through. And you deserve it. You've been fighting for it all these years. And you haven't been fighting for yourself. You've been fighting for other people, you know, and God bless you for that. And we're going to try to you know, we're going to pass the, the strongest version of Joe Biden's vision that we can. Okay. Uh, Congressman Andy Levin, it's always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about Michigan State University's harrowing and backbreaking effort to get 77 people affiliated with the university out of Afghanistan as the country fell this summer 
to the Tam- Taliban. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.